We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Good morning. Sorry, we just had a little audio issue with the one clip that I'm going to be playing, which is actually an uh, interview at Davos World Economic Forum last uh, two months ago with Alex Karp. And a lot of people are probably unaware of who Mr. Karp is, but I am not. Or some of that. Sorry about that, guys. Boom. Okay, that's a little bit better. Uh, Alex Karp is the partner of Peter Thiel and Palantir, co-founder, really interesting conversation, uh, more than likely going to be in the second half of the first hour of the broadcast into the premium section. Really two main stories I want to hit upon, and then I'm going to you guys, I'm going to go to the audience. So if you are in YouTube, uh, get your questions and comments in, in the live stream. And I've been bleeding YouTube subscribers. Not like a ton, but I lost 40 or 50 over the weekend. And um, look, we haven't gained a significant amount of subscribers in three plus years since the demonetization and the obvious shadow banning. And it might be time to sue these people. It really might be. You know, I'm not a big shot like Alex Berenson, uh, but clearly they've used unfair business practices. They are 10 times worse than Twitter and always have been. And they have openly bragged about being an extension of globalism, taking authoritarian advice and dictates from the World Health Organization and the United Nations, period. They're, they're trash. You're trash, YouTube. You're 100% over-the-top trash still have to use you still have to utilize you to get people to watch the program to bring new people in but i can't tell you how many times i've gotten email jason um I'm, i've been unsubscribed to you for several years now i had no idea i was wondering if you were gone jason i haven't re received a notification even though the notifications bells have been on jason i followed you on twitter 
right before uh, the COVID-1984 pandemic really took off because I saw some of your videos. I haven't seen a tweet from you in two and a half years. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> that's why it's great to have redvoicemedia.com supporting me because this is an outlet that truly lets me say what I want and I can't be censored. And look, Rockfin, great. I have 75,000 followers over there. Again, I was able in three years time via Rockfin get up to where I've been from YouTube three years ago, basically. You understand? See how that works? Problem with Rockfin is that the views haven't gone up and this is about reaching more and more people. So yeah, somebody signs up, follows me there, watches a video, never comes back. And uh, quite frankly, they have to they have to do a better job of selling their platform to other people. Um, that's something that I think has been, unfortunately, extremely lacking with that platform in comparison to others, such as Rumble. The marketing is just not there. Um, I, I unfortunately just don't think the budget is there to expand outside of kind of the shell corporation that they are. They need programmers. They need uh, people on site who are able to take customer service. And, you know, right now, unfortunately, I feel like they're in the same place they were a year and a half, two years ago. There really hasn't been uh, much growth on the side of the actual platform, right? And uh, that's not to say that uh, they haven't done some good things. Probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that they integrated tips. And I'm sure that was very good financially for them as it was good financially for the creators. Um, But there was so much more that they talked about doing that just never came to fruition and still hasn't come to fruition. I have hope on that platform. Um, But you know what they say, uh, hopes hopes are like hand grenades. Uh, You better just toss them and hope for the best, right? And I don't know who says that, but I just said it in a babble monster. Robin Williams, why is he the cover story here? And then we're going to get into the John Fetterman clone claims or John Fetterman body double claims. They're all bullshit, by the way, folks. So if you're falling down the rabbit holes of body doubles and actors and sets and all that stuff, watch it. Just watch out for what you're doing. Um, the latest Fetterman picks slash video are him. Let me repeat that. They are John Fetterman, 100%. We're actually going to show you some Photoshop. Uh, you know, what I uh, used to do for a living before I broke into this, my first uh, desk job as a graphic designer, to kind of display to you that if you if you just took five minutes out of your day and you took a step back, and you weren't buying into all the Johnny nonsense and the the Q nonsense and here we go and you know trust the plan and we're still blah blah blah. You'd realize that's John Fetterman in the pictures. No, it looks goofy, but it's called a squeeze. So in other words, um, if you go four by three instead of sixteen by nine, sixteen by nine is long, but you squeeze. Uh, a 16 by 9 long shot like this, it, they used to tell you it was slimming um, or it would make you look fatter on television, right? Because you're compressing it in, depending. And that's exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at a compressed face of Fetterman. You'll see it very obviously that when you smush it, 
and you extend it, same ears, same brow, same eyes, same mouth, same person. Same person. I'm seeing some rather large outlets uh, report on that. The Gateway Pundit being one of them. And I like the Gateway Pundit uh, a lot. In fact, uh, when I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday, I saw that the Gateway Pundit, hashtag Gateway Pundit, was actually trending. And for a site that's been basically delisted by Google, demonized by the masses, that's huge. That's big. And we should be supporting all types of alternative media, whether you uh, agree with everything they have to say or not, or whether you think they're on the right track or not. The more voices, the better. Okay. The more conversations we had or have, the more debate that can take place. So again, I want to get your uh, viewpoints. I want to get your opinions. And I also want to get your big questions and maybe even throw in what you think are the big stories from this past weekend as really I was out of it. Um, you know, I, I worked the caged aggression cage Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. I had a great time. But uh, those days are, you know, basically eight, nine-hour days over at the cage. And um, I try to just take a break as much as I can from really delving too far into the news cycle. Although I periodically, you know, look and catch up and can't help myself in the sense that I do want to see what's going on. But I don't sit down at my desk for hours at a time and pick out stories much like we do here. So thumbs up, subscribe, share, make sure you're subscribed. Again, we, we've, we're losing subscribers. Love to get 100 subscribers today over on YouTube. Doubt it's going to happen. In fact, I can't tell you. We've been doing this now almost six months uh, on a, on a four-day-a-week basis, four hours of content a week. All right. Normally, one of those videos per week should jump me up 25, 30, 100 subscribers. And, and none of my videos are rated as such where I'm losing subscribers. It hasn't happened in six months. Not once. Not one time. Zero times. That, I, I'm pretty sure YouTube needs to be sued into the ground. That's, that's what needs to happen. Like they, they need to have their algorithms posted. They need to have their internal emails leaked. Okay. And it's time for a WikiLeaks type operation on Google and YouTube in particular. Google, the largest search engine in the world, really Chrome, Google, Android, YouTube. It's all the same thing, right? Whistleblowers, where are you? Leakers, where are you? We need you. We need you. We need you. I'm sure though, listen, I'm sure if you have a conscience and you have access to this, you understand that eventually you'll become, you know, a puppet of Putin or it'll be Russian disinformation or the Russians will be the ones that have released it. But I got to tell you, we need you now more than ever. And uh, uh, for the leaker, there has to be some kind of a watermark way where you can really drive it home. It's not Russia, 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 and you don't work for Russia, Russia, Russia. No, you want the American people to see how corrupt the system is. And it's so outwardly corrupt with Google. 
that they've partnered with the National Security Agency, that they've partnered with NASA, that they have an open monopoly that nobody has challenged. Well, everybody's so worried about the TikTok. Ooh, it's TikTok. You don't even need TikTok on your phone. TikTok, China, TikTok. Now, I'm not promoting TikTok. I think it's overall 100% trash. <laughs> like, seriously, just unadulterated trash. Talking about unhappy attention-seeking, and that's that'll segue when we get over to Robin Williams and that state of affair, but, but the need for the endorphin rush of social media acceptance, it's repulsive. It's repugnant. And it's funny, man. Like I'm talking to one of my buddies, my good buddies here over in Iowa, and he happened to post a picture of his son and another child at the, uh, the fights. Okay. Took his kids to the fights, took his kid's buddy to the fights. Great. Now, the kid that he was with apparently had beaten up another one of uh, his son's friends. And because the mother of that kid saw the social media picture, he ended up in an hour-long conversation about why him and his son were still hanging out after he had assaulted and knocked out the other kid. You know, done something pretty unacceptable to the other kid. Now, I'm not defending one way or another, but I am showing you the social media dynamics of why you might want to think twice about posting your entire um, social life, family life in particular, on social media. It's not something I do often. You don't see a lot of pictures of me with my nieces or my girlfriend or any of that stuff. In fact, even over the weekend, while I was at Caged Aggression, I think I did one pick with Pat Militich and put it up um, for night two, not night three. And I think I put up two YouTube videos of me just quickly ranting and raving about the lunacy of the day, including Trump's baseball bat tweet, where he did a bad Joe Pesci impersonation, where Joe Pesci has done uh, bad impersonations of actual gangsters. I mean, Pat, Joe Pesci's this big. He's like, this big, like tiny, tiny, little, little guy, probably can't swing a bat too hard. Okay. Not very intimidating in person. Rob, uh, Robert De Niro, not a large man. The magic of Hollywood acting, acting. All right. I've gone on enough of an outward rant, but it is reality rants here. Let's get to the first story. And remember, we're going to come over to your questions and comments, so get them in for the first hour. We're also going to do the Alex Carp thing and the Fetterman thing. Uh, the Fetterman thing is definitely going to be in the first hour. So why did I decide to lead with what nobody else will lead with? Robin Williams' uh, apparent suicide from many years ago now. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I saw a article regarding Sam Neill, star of Jurassic Park, amongst many, many other things. Um, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, uh, one of those things. Sam Neill appeared alongside Robin Williams uh, in the 1999 film Bicentennial Man. And I, I believe I watched Bicentennial Man uh, way, way, way back in the day. Oh, I'm, or I may have missed it 
because he was a robot, but he was a robot living for a long time. And I think he started out as like a silver robot, becomes more of a humanoid robot, etc. But uh, Neil said that the comedian was one of the most depressed and lonely people he'd ever met in an intimate new memoir. All right. And he was 63 years old. And look, the, the ongoing depression definitely helped lead to his death. Uh, Neil says that he could sense the dark space inside Williams, and the actor was the saddest person he had ever met. And uh, there is the Bicentennial Man robot. But as I said, as it goes on, he becomes more and more human humanoid. That would actually be an interesting one to watch. There's a lot of interesting ones to watch when it comes to Robin Williams, in, including World's Best Dad. But we'll get to that in a, a bit, okay? So um, apparently, you know, Williams had been uh, misdiagnosed with Parkinson's disease, but the autopsy after his death realized he had just been suffering from Lewy body dementia. All right, and into uh, arresting physical movement, the condition can exacerbate depression and cause psychological symptoms. Now, first of all, about Robin Williams. Who knows what kind of psychotropic drugs he was on? He could have definitely been on those. There's a chance he wasn't. There's a chance he was on and off them. But what we do know about him is that he struggled with alcohol and drug addiction throughout his career. And look, a lot of comedians, um, they put on the clown face, but they're sad inside, the sad clown face. And I believe that this is one of those people. You can watch Robin Williams all the way back in the day as a 70s street performer in New York City. Um, he lands the Mork and Mindy show. And, and from there, he just takes off into superstardom. You know, I, I remember, I, I think it was Comic Relief back in the day on HBO, but he and Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal were always on that. I always enjoyed his stand-up. In fact, one of his uh, stand-ups used to make fun of like Joe Biden back when Joe Biden was a uh, vice president. Uh, weapons of mass destruction, or it was weapons of mass something. Let's let, let let's look that one up, up live. Robin Williams, weapons of Williams. Y you know. And it was also Weapons of Self-Destruction is the name. Uh, one of those guys, it's 2009, HBO special. Can't, can't recommend it enough. Really great one. He was one of those guys that also supposedly stole jokes. Now, a lot of people know about my Mencia, but apparently uh, Robin Williams was especially egregious on this. And uh, younger comedians that would be hip to it when he would come into the room, they would start bombing on purpose or just not doing their best set because there was they knew there was a chance that Robin Williams was going to take it. Okay. So now let's get to the evidence that Robin Williams indeed did not kill himself, at least on purpose. I think he accidentally killed himself due to something that isn't talked about and something that our society looks down upon and wants to act like it doesn't exist. But in essence, it really is an extension of the addictive behavior that we talked about and the endorphin rushes. And that is autoerotic asphyxiation. 
Okay, and uh, for those that do not know what that is, that is cutting off your air supply uh, while self-pleasuring. Let's get, let's leave it at that. And there are numerous ways you can do this. You can do this with a bag over your head. You can do this with a belt around your neck or a rope. Um, but when you're doing it with yourself, you're playing um, Russian roulette, really, because one wrong move and you pass out, you can end up choking yourself to death and dying. And there have been several different films where this is fictionalized. Uh, I, I remember the Steven Soderbergh film where it happens to the David Duchovny character. Uh, it's supposed to be on a date with Julia Roberts, and then Julia Roberts goes to find him and wondering why uh, he's not there, and all of a sudden he's dead because of that. And I, and I got to tell you, I really do believe that that is what happened to uh, Robin Williams. Williams played anti-suicide advocate in eerie movie role. Now, the same year that that special comes out, 2009's World's Greatest Dad comes out. And a lot of the videos about this have been scrubbed. In fact, this was a lot of the stuff was hard to find on Google. You know, I typed in autoerotic fan, and I'll show you why in a moment. But they postponed his uh, autopsy report because the um, coroner was asking his family, his wife in particular, I believe, whether or not Robin Williams was an autoerotic fan. Now, those were not headlines, and they're hard to find. Now, for those that don't know about 2009's World, World's Greatest Dad, he's a professor. His son is not, you know, they don't have a great relationship. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of a jerk to his father. His, his father doesn't know what to do. And um, like at first, he finds his son um, in an autoerotic association position. And the son is alive, but scares the father and like berates the father for walking in and all that other stuff. The next time it happens, he's dead. Okay. So Robin Williams, not knowing what to do and not wanting uh, for the world to think that this is how his son died, instead would rather have him commit suicide, takes the body, posts it up in the closet, and writes a fake suicide note. And the, the movie entails from there. It actually is kind of a tale of how um, the father gets the notoriety that he's always wanted uh, through this dark moment with his son. It's, it, it's, it's a weird film, but why would you choose to do that film that has a, has a very dark theme, especially in the beginning, and one to do with what? Autoerotic asphyxiation, okay? So this headline, Robin Williams had no illegal drugs or alcohol in his system when he committed suicide, Cor coroner's report reveals, all right? Now, it does say that he'd taken two antidepressants and two coffee compounds. Again, the, so the antidepressants are there. That's I guess that's not a question. And you know how I feel about those. All right. But the headline used to be very, very different. Okay. So let's just hit Control F and boom. Very difficult and emotional. Robin Williams found, oh, this is a, uh, 
filming the world's greatest dad. This is where he finds his son uh, accidentally through auto erotica. That's the first time that comes up. She was also asked by authorities if her husband was interested in auto erotica, which she said he was not. So why would they postpone this? Okay. They said he had four drugs in his system at the time of his death. Okay. Why would they postpone it? Ask about auto erotica if that wasn't in the mix. Robin Williams found in bedroom with a belt secured around his neck, coroner says. Okay. So once again, what people need to understand and what's hidden is that um, he was in a seated position with rigor mortis. Okay, seated position. Now, the assistant who found him said he was fully clothed. And then they talked about a pocket knife, dried blood. I've always been extremely suspect of that. You see, first of all, if you were cutting your wrists, he could find something other than a pocket knife. And there would have been blood everywhere. Everywhere. All right? So there you see it. In a seated position, unresponsive, with a belt secured around neck with the other end of the belt wedged between a closed door and a door frame, his right shoulder area touching the door with his body. He was perpendicular to the door and slightly suspended. Okay. Mr. Williams was cool to the touch with rigor mortis. All right. And by the way, that's what was said by the sheriff's department. So now people need to realize that he didn't hang himself. Okay. Here it is right here. He did not hang himself. There it is. Rigor mortis had already said it. You're struggling with yourself. You cannot be in a seated position with your knees like this if you hung yourself on purpose. So once again, the evidence is that this was a guy who was an adrenaline junkie. This is a guy that suffered depression throughout his lifetime. This is a guy who was a drug addict. And this was a guy that behind all the laughter had plenty of tears, okay? And uh, I, I truly believe to this day that was a cover-up for many reasons, as you can imagine, that they, they didn't. I mean, think about what a weird, twisted society is that we'd rather think that somebody killed themselves than accidentally did so because of a, a, an addiction, a physical addiction. I mean, that to me... That speaks a lot to the society, folks. That's call me kooky, call me crazy, call me wild. Just speaks to the society that we live in. Okay. Now, before we hit any other stories, and we'll save some other stories uh, for the other side, before I go to your questions and comments over at YouTube, I've got to do the Fetterneck story. Okay. So let's let's take a look at some of this stuff right now. And what people are saying. So this is John Fetterman leaving Lancaster Hospital from Braddock to recover from stroke. Now, from this angle, a lot of people say, well, why? Of course, that's Fetterman. But then people take this picture and you, you have a look. Obviously, this is a squared up face and this is a much longer face. 
All right. Now, now with Photoshop in a minute, I'm, I'm going to hit this up because uh, I think this is a really good one to go with. But here's Fetterman again uh, sitting with his family. This is not uh, the latest. This is from months and months and months ago. This is, I think, when he first goes in for, quote unquote, depression. And who knows if that's true? Who knows if he's really clinically depressed or it's more physical stuff with the strokes? OK, but this is a really good picture to look at. Now, I want people to really look at before we go to Photoshop, okay, are the ears. Look at the left ear of Fetterman right here. Look at it. Looks exactly like this ear compressed. Look at the shape of the other ear. Has the same exact shape of this ear compressed. Look at the nose. This is his face tilted up. The, the, the bust, the brow right here see that line right there the 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 brow right here all the same person before i go to photoshop i would also like to say that the video of him sure sounds like him as well so listen to, listen to this yourself and you hear john fetterman talk and this is where they got the pictures from thank you, thank you. i mean just that alone you know, the, first of all, you see the video. He walks and talks like John Fetterman. But let's let's take it a step further. Let let's do it and let's do it live. Okay, so let's take his face. Let's do some some dicka dicka doing with the Photoshop here. And show people uh, show people my Photoshop skills. So. We're going to do this as clean as possible. I'm going to take my pen tool, not even just a regular selection tool. And I'm going to go around this big old noggin of his. Look at that, folks. Look what you can learn in school, even being a beauty school dropout. Just pay attention to the classes for the career that you're going to want to do. And you, too. Can have, actually, we don't need to do that. We just need the face. The, the skill set. Of Jason Burns, excuse me. Not hard. Just like HG Wells said, if you gave me a day and you were paying attention, I could definitely teach you the basics. So we're going to make that into a selection. Hit OK. Let's just hit edit, copy. Oh, we're not the right one. I guess we're not, but we will be now. Edit, copy, edit, paste. All right. Now here's where the magic's going to happen, folks. So let's take old Fetterman right here, grab it, and put it over here. We're going to bring it to the front. Okay. So now let's do about a half opacity. So we're going to be able to see through John Fetterman's face and the Fetterman. All right. Now... We're going to do it. We're going to go edit, free transform. And this is where you're going to see that the sizes and whatnot. First of all, let's widen them out. Let's get it so it's just about there. And then we're going to hit shift so we can actually stretch them out. All right. Now we're going to curve it. So we're almost in the same exact spot. You see how this is working now, guys? You see how close we are at this point? So, boom. Okay, 
So now don't get me wrong. There, there's a little, again, there, there, he's got his smile on right where the mouth is, but you line up the eyes and the nose and they're pretty damn similar. Let's fade it in. Let's fade it in with the, with, with a full thing. Look at that. Is that close enough now? You know, they, again, there's a little bit different different of an angle, but if you also look at Fetterman's teeth, ears, eyes, brow, noggin, that's John Fetterman. John Fetterman is completely incompetent and has absolutely no place in office, all right, at all, not even a little. I mean, John Fetterman's gone through some looks too, by the way. That's just from six years ago. That's... That's Fetterman in 2017, everybody. Okay. So, uh, again, you're not doing yourself any favors. In fact, you're doing yourself a disservice when you jump on bandwagons and you jump on those kind of trains that have no basis in reality. So, you, you know, think about it. A anybody could have just done what I did. Right. And here, here's a bunch of Fetterman stuff right here because I was looking for all those Fetterman shots. And look, he's getting older, but the many faces of John Fetterman. I, I do not believe there's a John Fetterman double out there, everybody. Okay, there's no deep fakes. There are no doubles. It's John Fetterman. Uh, they basically have a brain-damaged puppet in there. That's That's what's going down. That's what's going down in Chinatown. I wish it wasn't, but that's the reality, folks period. That's the reality. All right. With that being said, we are now going to go to your questions and comments over here on the YouTube. Let's see what everybody has to say. Oh man, JB, this one is going to be tough. I thought so. Yeah. We had 12 people watching at the outset in our 70 plus thousand. Again, thumbs it up, subscribe and share. Let's get a hundred new subscribers today. Let's see if a call to action actually works. Yes. I want you on Rumble. Yes, I want you following on Rockfin. But this is the largest platform in the world. The world. And we're just getting devastated constantly over there. A what? Time after time after time after time. Devastation. Can't grow. Certainly can't earn any money. You know, and, and I'll tell you what. Uh, Rockfin, to its credit, at least has tips. Whereas we still have not seen that implemented in Rumble, and Rumble should have been able to do that years ago. Not days ago, weeks ago, or months ago, years ago. They should have been able to implement some kind of a tip or a super chat type mechanism. Just throwing it out there. Telling me out all those subs, only 12 watching. I don't believe it. I believe it, unfortunately. Robin Williams is watching. Ha ha ha. What up? How we doing, Scott Bailey? I hope you're enjoying uh your day, and I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I had a blast this weekend. And uh, I want to thank anybody who tuned in to CageDegression.tv any of the nights and bought the pay-per-view. Uh, I get to let loose a little bit, get to crack some jokes and take it easy. And I really have fun uh, doing that while watching A-grade fights. Good morning, Burmese Brigade. Yes, it is Mork Nanu Nanu to you, too. Uh, Cosmo's got the clown. Mork from Orc, correct? Morning, new sub to Red Voice. Love your content, Jason, fellow New Yorker from your neck of the woods. Thank you, Sunshine Girl. We do appreciate it. Uh, upstate New Yorker there. 
Sub in redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored to support the broadcast. Only a dollar for the first week and $10 a month or lock it, lock it, lock it in for the year for 100 Beanaruskis. And you get myself, you get Ray Dietrich, the founder, you get Drew Burquist, you get Chad Canton, and yes, you even get Matt Couch, brand new to the game, Alicia Powell with some powerful reports as well, redvoicemedia.com, just growing. Good morning, folks from uh, FEMA Region 4, Old Hickory, Tennessee. Good morning, Terry. How we doing? We got the Nano Nano Mork Machine, the eggs and the rabbits. That's right. For those that don't know, um, I, I believe Mork was fully formed in an egg while he was born. Shazbot! <laughs> really bringing out the Mork. Really bringing it out. Good morning from Nova Scotia. YouTube has been weirder for the last few days. Anyone else notice? Uh, your subscriber base was blowing up before the channel bad. It just suddenly stopped. I remember that. Oh, yeah, no, we were doing great. We were doing great. Well, you know, there's some week we were getting one to 5,000 subscribers at times. I mean, we were really, you know, we were trucking along. Um, John Westerland, they unsubscribed me. Yeah, they just unsubscribe people. And they do it, sneak, oh, let's take away five or 10 a day. Oh, yeah, they haven't watched a video in two weeks because we haven't sent them a notification. Bye. Always assumed Robin Williams was just another victim of the beast. I'm so sick of watching them kill off anyone with a little bit of decency with absolutely no LE agency uh, batting an eye. Um, see, that was the thing. There was a lot, just like with every celebrity death, when his death came in, there were uh, people out there trying to say, Illuminati murdered, Illuminati got him. And same thing with Paul Walker. I remember that was around the time. And at the time, there were actually a lot of quote unquote real fake news sites that were just making shit up that didn't have real sources that were not portraying themselves as satire. And those stories would go viral, whether perpetuated by disinformation agents on purpose or perpetuated by those that wanted to turn a profit with Google ads, et cetera. I'm not going to say, because I don't know for sure, but I can tell you right now, it was all bullshiz. It was all Johnny nonsense. YouTube must have dropped them. It's happened to me before. I had to go back and subscribe. Could be fake accounts who were monitoring. Uh, so again, there's Johnny Mnemonic. One, 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 one of the most active people right there with the Burmese Brigade, and he's telling you, that uh, he's been unsubscribed many a time. Shocker. Let's see what we got here. Um, ba -ba -ba. You should sue. I, I agree. Demonetized the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, YouTube's demonetizing all sorts. Yeah, you know, they went after Gary Franchi and Next News Network. And, you know, I, I like Franchi. I don't always agree with the, what they put out there, right? Uh, but there's a guy I've known for, God, almost two decades, well over 15 years now, started with the Lone Lantern Society. And he was always trying to get me into a multi-channel network, right? And I had actually spoken to a couple of these multi-channel networks. You sign away your life. And every time I talked to them, they looked at my pay because because they just see that, wow, they go through metrics and they go, wow, this this guy right here, if you look at my metrics, they're on 
unheard of. Unheard of. Let's let's just go to a, to a, a couple of them. Hold on, we're gonna get rid of that and pop over here just to show everybody the metrics that I have over on YouTube. They're 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 unheard of. Okay, I mean you. I, if it were fair, I would be in the top tiers of YouTube. Because if you go to my, see this, minus 55 subscribers. Yeah, about 185. Because, you know, we grind and we try to get like 200 new ones a month. But for some reason, we're dumping subs. Dumping subs. When you go to my my uh, my audience, okay, T take a look around. It, like, incredible metrics. Incredible metrics right here, guys. That, that's what it is. From uh, returning to unique viewers, right? The content itself, 18 plus minute watch time. Now, granted, my videos are about an hour now. That means that people watch about a fourth of the show, or I'm sorry, a third of the show. Uh, between a third and a fourth, of the, unheard of metrics. Unheard of. I have a five plus percent click-through rate. They tell you if you can get to like four to five and a half, that's mega. I have a 5% click-through rate. It's a huge one. All right. And I have a 98 plus percent um, approval rating, uh, thumbs up compared to thumbs down on the videos. Is this, does it seem fair to anybody? Any, ask any YouTuber what it would be like if they had almost a 19-minute average duration. I mean, most YouTube videos that are that are making the money, son, are between 5 and 15 minutes long, usually 5 and 10. And if somebody watches 2 to 4 minutes of that, that's huge. That's huge for that platform. All right. Let's keep going down the line. And it looks like we'll take probably questions and comments for the rest of the first hour. And we'll do the Alex Carp thing on the other side via Davos. Alex Carp, a really interesting character. Uh, I may hit a few of the other stories that I wanted to touch upon. Um, really not that many there, but there were three in particular that I thought were interesting. One including uh, Brooke Shields talking about uh, her strained relationship with her mother and why she doesn't understand how she could let her pose naked in Playboy at 10 years old and be kissing grown men as a kid. No kidding. Poor Brooke Shields, man. No one really talks about Brooke because, you know, although she's had her struggles, she hasn't had the outward breakdowns of other people that were in the entertainment industry as children. But they should. Um, let's see. You should sue SueTube. <laughs> For now, but the big picture, the metric is that Jeremy from the quartering has more subs than Jason, even more than Tim Pool. Shadow ban is full uh, is in full effect. The quartering. I mean, that's a popular YouTube channel, but again, there, no offense to Tim Pool, no offense to the quartering. They're all kind of lukewarm when it comes to the hardcore, right? Oh. Who really brings you the hardcore on YouTube? I'd say we do a good job here and that we are days, weeks, months, and many times years, years in front of other alternative media. Forget about the regular media. 
Again, the United 23 thing should spell it all out. For, oh, wow. Whoa, I can't believe the last 20 plus years, nobody's talked about United 23 and all the other hijacking possibilities on 9-11. Here, hi, over here. We did it. It happened. It's right here. <laughs> Why? What, what's so tough about, you know, telling the truth about it? That's all. You know, I mean, I mean, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. The trouble is they will deny that they are conducting censorship, shadow banning, and how do we prove it in court uh, that they are doing it? You got to get discovery. That's what Alex Berenson did. Alex Berenson got discovery. Therefore, he got communications. As soon as his lawyer saw the communications, it was really an open and shut case. He was reinstituted to Twitter. He was paid probably millions of dollars, okay, in restitution, but forced to find, uh, sign an NDA so he could only talk about the case limited. And of course, that's how any of these lawsuits would go, period, because it's a lawsuit and it's not a criminal allegation. Don't get me wrong. I think they're acting completely and totally criminally. Okay, period. Speaking of quite frankly, I've been silence. I don't know what that means, but I do like quite frankly. Hopefully, quite frankly, aka Frank, uh, checked out the movie suggestions from like two weeks ago that I put out there. He was looking for a good movie. And I had suggested Sorry to Bother You, which is really probably my favorite movie of the past 10 years. Uh, I'm try I've, I've tried hard to think of another movie that I've enjoyed as much. And I, I gravitate towards comedies anyway. Huge Dumb and Dumber fan. I love slapstick. This movie actually has quite a bit of physical slash slapstick type humor uh, with a much deeper meaning. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, I'd encourage you to check out uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, there's not much, if anything, funny about that film, but a, a really great film nonetheless. Let's get 200 plus thumbs up. Let's get them going. Um, last platform standing is like the banks. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be getting any better, does it? What kind of platform hurts itself for the narrative? One that's a player for the machine. That's the thing. Everybody goes, oh, it's a private company, Jason. It's a private company. It's there for a profit. It doesn't make a profit. Private companies make profits. Trojan horse civilian systems are propped up so that the profiteering is really for the state and the techno-fascist agenda of track, trace, database, control the great narrative. Track, trace, database, control the great narrative. They don't care about losing money. It's not capitalism. It's techno-fascism, techno-feudalism. It's a joke. I mean, that yeah, the only platforms that, that can hurt themselves financially are the ones that aren't really there to become the financial leviathan instead of just dominate the market because they can Joe Rogan almost lost his stuff in a YouTube meeting with a CEO. His wife stopped him. Watched a video last night about it. They censored just because. Huh, interesting. I, I, I don't know that one. Maybe somebody can see in the DMs and we'll talk about it. Uh, they are attacking so many channels. Yes, they are. People should have a class action lawsuit a long time ago. Yes, I agree. Man, I, risk, I miss RW. I don't know what RW is. 
Morning and cheers from Australia. How are we doing, Mad, Car Mad Cal? Um, Mark Federstein. <laughs> Federstein. Yes, he does look a, uh, a lot like the Frankenstein monster. Different suggestions, totally lousy content, just worse than it's been. Um, okay. What do you mean? Fetterman has a compressed brain. Setup changed, harder to find history and related content. Yes, if you're talking about the interface on YouTube, I think that's part of it. So just so everybody knows what they did, and I've, I've had people mention this. Hey, Jason, why aren't you putting out as many videos? It looks like you only put out a video three weeks ago or a month ago or a month ago or a month ago. And I guess a lot of that is on me. I've got to start taking those second hours that I haven't been taking lately, cutting them up and throwing them up every single day that are two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks old. Now, a lot of that stuff just isn't fit for YouTube. So I've actually got to cut a bunch out. But if you noticed, home goes here to videos and playlists, and then you touch videos, right? And again, three weeks, a month, a month, a month. You have to go to live now. I used to just have everything there. And you notice they have latest and popular. Oh, now you get to take a look and see that I'm doing it every day. Oh, now it's a little different, right? But most people don't see that. And it's set up that way. It's set up that way because they don't want people watching this channel. They don't want people having an outlet that isn't an authoritative mainstream media source. And even when they deal in alternative media, they still want to keep you in that right-left paradigm, that progressive versus conservative mindset. Democrat, liberal, red, Republican. You get it? There's a new channel being highly pushed by YouTube, a conspiracy theory uh, channel with the first video, I'm sorry, with the first video about the Simpsons ready, uh, already up to 67,000 views and it came out last night. Well, the Simpsons is a big seller. Not a fan of Carp. I'm not a big fan of Alex Carp either. Uh, Whitney Webb in particular has done some interesting work on Palantir and Alex Carp in particular. Unlimited Hangout, check it out. He he he, me droogies. Uh, what's it called? Sons of Perdition? Are, are we talking about the Tom Hanks um, movie, Road to Perdition? Katie Kane? Good, uh, really good, in my opinion. Uh, mob movie, by the way. Let's see. Ah, all right. YouTube has really went downhill. Is really designed to control the masses now. Yes. Yes, it is. Gateway Pundit censors its chat if you disagree with their opinions. I wouldn't know much about the Gateway Pundit chat because I haven't been in, into it. I don't know whether or not you're talking about the comments on the page during the articles or they. I, I think they have a YouTube channel as well. Obviously, they have a Rumble channel. And uh, the movement is towards Rumble. Again, Rumble's got Peter Thiel money behind it. But Rumble's also taking out advertisements on television. Rumble's making moves by signing exclusives with huge names that can actually bring an audience over. And yeah, you've got to offer them money. It's not just like come to my platform. And so many 
I, you know, I, I shouldn't say that because I know that with certain creators, Rockfin did give um, some financial uh, benefit to. I wasn't one of them. I came in for free. Um, but they did pay some smaller creators uh, who were around bigger creators initially to come in and post. However, you know, they, they don't have the money to bring in a Steven Crowder. Uh, they don't have the money to bring in a Russell Brand. Uh, they don't have the money to bring in a Glenn Greenwald. And all of those are power players that are able to bring in a huge audience. But it's really because of the partnership. because. Not only the power players talking about it, but Rumble's putting money into it as well. You know, Michael Tracy came over to Rockfin for about a month. I haven't seen him post since. And, you know, Tracy doesn't have the name of the other uh, three, but he has a decent social media presence. Um, I thought that he was doing some interesting work. But again, there was um, a lack of a base audience. For him to interact with and, and i think that that made him shy away from the platform just my opinion i don't know for sure uh let's see it's the military industrial complex making a budget and plan for a war with china and russia all weekend i've seen i've also seen vets saying the va is pulling benefits i don't know anything about va getting their benefits pulled but i know that the va in particular has had uh has had its issues, you know, for, for quite some time. Yeah, Mr. Perdition, uh, what's the name of the channel? I don't know. Got unsubbed from Redacted a few days ago. Most people that are awake uh, to a lot of truth, 18 hours a day, seven days a week for seven years, no vacation, pro bono. I mean, I, who's doing that? Who's, who's working for seven years, 18 hours a day, seven days a week? for free that's that's a lot sounds like gulag prison style and by the way guys i i can't recommend and i'm not saying it's a hundred percent historically accurate i'd be remiss to act like i knew if it was but as you know i talk about it a lot here that back in the day i used to watch the history channel quite a bit because you know it was about history it was about World War One, World War Two. Used to call it the Hitler Channel because there was so much uh, Nazi stuff, and in particular Hitler. But that's faded away, and now you turn on that network has nothing to do with real history. Instead, it's ancient aliens constantly. It's the unexplained, and I don't mind the unexplained with uh, uh, William Shatner. That's fun. Uh, they even have like a, a show where. They go through video posts and say whether it's fake or not. That's okay. I want history. I want history. And the Apocalypse Stalin series. I got home Saturday night. I went to my American Heroes channel. And I'm watching. I was just mesmerized. First of all, there's a ton of stuff that I didn't know regarding uh, the roots of World War II and Nazi surrenders uh, with Russia, where uh, the Nazis had invaded into Russia, how far they had gone, meetings with uh, Winston Churchill via Stalin, and guess who? Avril Harriman. Oh, like when I saw Avril Harriman accompanying Winston Churchill, who is aggrandized and glorified to this day, and they make comparisons 
to people like uh, people like uh, Zelensky, etc. And then I saw him getting off the boat or the boat, the plane with Avril Harriman, arms dealer, banker. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, yeah, because Avril Harriman, Harriman Brothers Banking, uh, and Prescott Bush, grandpappy to uh, George W. Pappy to George H. W. Was working with the Nazis too, playing both sides of the fence, making that money, son. That's how it works. Robin Williams had a, a neurodegenerative condition as part of treatment. He was given dopamine uh, agonist drugs. Increase in, in dopamine uh, can increase risky behavior. Well, like you said, uh, he was clearly on at least two two antidepressants, according to the mainstream articles. They are fake sub numbers on YouTube. My opinion. I don't know about that. NNS this week is the final report from the 23 people murdered in 2020, my family included. Um, what's NS? It's a massive cover-up by the RCMP and our government, and only one guy is covering the truth. I don't know what NS is, and I don't know what you're talking about. With it. you got to be clear. That's not clear at all. Uh, thumbs up. Hi, Andrew. No T-Lev content this weekend either. I'm always worried. They'll finally slap the pirate streams. 100 JB YouTube doesn't uh, want because of the people, and they don't respect that. Um, let's see. Talking about YouTube. I believe the subscriber numbers are deflated along with the likes and the views. Be chickity Chinese chickens. <laughs> what have we got? A little bare naked ladies in there. Visit from DFAX incoming. What digital blackface? What the hell are you talking about? Digital black. You know, I, I've, I've heard people now, there's this article out there that if you use a GIF in a text thread, you could be guilty of digital blackface. Huh? Get out of here with that giant nonsense. Get at it. So, so I use a what you talking about Willis meme from you know a little gif from different strokes and i'm a bigot when somebody just said something and i want to go what you're talking about no no i watched orwell the family guy star trek type show uh this episode was on society built on likes and dislikes and if you get 10 million unlikes they reprogram your brain into a vegetable great what you talk? Hey, I didn't even see that. Look at that. There's some synchrony. What you talking about, Willis? Exactly. I, I thought the same exact thing. <laughs> Maybe the deep state is afraid the Chinese could sneak in unapproved mal malinformation, inconvenient truths. Yes. Pesky Pesci. Uh, Cosmo laughs about the uh, the digital blackface. So hopefully he was just joking. R.I.P. Robin Williams, loved Robins, Hacker Steel Info from New Zealand and Aussie Land. I don't know anything about that story. Um, Williams knew a lot about the demons of Hollyweird. Uh, it was very sad. Grew up loving his comedy in the 70s. Harry Krishna. Yes, he, just, he used to do the Harry Krishna bit quite a bit. Uh, the mainstream meds likely made it worse. Uh, psilocybin might have helped. He was probably depressed. He was in the devil's den of Hollywood. Mass distraction. It wasn't mass distraction. It was, uh, what was it? Self-destruction? Weapons of self-destruction? 
Yes, well, weapons of self-destruction. All right, we're about one minute away. I want to get everybody over to the premium portion of the broadcast where we're going to do this Alex Carp World Economic Forum watch-along so people can learn about the track trace database software of Palantir, the national security state, and other big tech companies getting in there. Carp says some really interesting things. Um, even about his family coming from Bavaria like a thousand years ago, etc. cetera. Uh, a lot of stuff like that. So, World's Greatest Dad, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, starring Robin, is a masterpiece. Not a comedy, but an important film. No, it's a very dark film. I didn't realize that Bobcat Goldthwait had uh, directed that film. That's interesting to me. Very, very much. Very, very interesting to me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give the cue to my producer as soon as they're ready to go. I, I've got it now programmed that I should be able to leave all of these on one uh, one button, a one button press, and I could say goodbye to all platforms. Uh, I had that going before, but unfortunately it wasn't working and it was messing stuff up and that's no bueno. But we got the new setup, we got the new computer, we got the new office. So we should be gearing up, ready to go, easy to hit the page down, easy to knock everything off at the same time. And like I said, I just wait for that text from the producer and we'll cut it off to the premium version. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. Redvoicemedia.com slash Uncensored. We'll do it. That's where you want to be for the next hour or so. And we are good to go. So we are going to say goodbye to Rumble, Rockfin, Twitter, and YouTube. Love you guys. And I will see you hopefully on the paid flip side. Remember, you can listen for free right now over at the InfoWarrior Podbean. Okay. And it looks like it didn't work. God damn it, man. And it does look like it jammed everything up too. Well, if we are broadcasting still on everything else, I guess that we're just going to have to do that. Unfortunately, that stinks. Maybe I can. I guess I guess that's what we're going to do, because it looks like we're still going on, on the vast majority of these. So I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to I'm going to kick off my. Uh, my streaming software really quick. And then I'm going to come back and I'm letting my producer know that. So don't. So so just give me a moment, folks. Let me see what we got. Let me see if we can do this. We're going to close it, and let's see. A streaming recording is currently active. Do you want to log out and exit? Well, let's Maybe by doing that, yeah, by doing that, it allowed me to get back in here. All right, so that macro is no good, but now we're done. We've, we've left the others. We're gone streaming, so we, we are on the premium. Sorry about that, everybody. Always trying to uh, improve. See, that's what that's what sucks sometimes is that um, you know this software is absolutely fantastic, but when uh, I, I make these macros or anything like it, I guess anything could happen. Anything can happen, and often does here, live. All right.
Let's get rid of this. No, that's not what I wanted to get rid of. We'll get rid of this. And let's play uh, some of this Alex Karp interview from the World Economic Forum. Again, this is Palantir. For this, uh, with Alex Karp. Alex Karp is the CEO of Palantir. And Palantir is a very interesting, unusual company. We'll go through it. But let's go through your own background, how you came to be the CEO of this very successful company. Where did you grow up? Um, I was born in New York. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, which meant I went to the local magnet school at Central. And you went to college where? And I went to Haverford, which is not very far away. And then I went to Stanford Law. And then I went to the University of Frankfurt for a PhD. And after your law school, most people practice law or do something like that. How come you wanted to get a PhD in philosophy? Well, I, I had I was very happy in undergrad, at least on the study side, and I, I, I thought I would change the world, and a kind of way to do that might be to be an advocate. And then I got to Stanford, and, and I owe Stanford a lot, but I kind of hated it, and I <laughs> hated every aspect of law school, but it gave me a lot of time to read philosophy and talk to random people on the campus, including uh, my buddy Peter. I mean, just think about that. You're going to Stanford Law School and you hate it and you're still going and like you have no plans of becoming a lawyer, but think think about how hard you have to work to stay in an environment like that. And then you've got all sorts of, of time to just read philosophy. Bizarre. And um, and then I realized this is not something I wanted to do. Uh, and because I kind of conceived of it as okay, well, I've spent three years doing something I hate. I'll do something I think thought I would love. And yeah. then I went and got a PhD. And Did you ever take the bar exam? No. No? No. So three years and you're not a lawyer. Well, okay. you know, I'm, I never was a lawyer. I'm, by the way, I'm proud of that. Although maybe, right. you know. Okay. So um, to take a, get a PhD in philosophy in, in University of Frankfurt, it helps to speak German. Do you... and, and by the way, I don't necessarily like lawyers to begin with. And I'm not sitting here and judging all lawyers are the same or saying that every single uh, lawyer is a liar, although it's really part of their profession. Um, that's like the one thing in this that I could kind of like sympathize and agree with Carpon. I'm, I'm glad that he's, he's glad that he's not a lawyer and he's proud that he never became a lawyer, but he's certainly is integrated uh, around many aspects of international law. Speak German? I do. And how did you happen to learn German? Uh, well, actually, of course, it's a short version. I learned it because I had a very tough girlfriend, but the, the um, <laughs> very tough. Uh, and um, uh, and but the longer version was on my father's side. They were um, from a part of Germany. Uh, it's not part Bavaria, Switzerland. Uh, West Austria, Liechtenstein for about a thousand years. So the reason that you bring up Bavaria and a thousand years and you just wonder is because, hey, the the initial Illuminati, the, the real Bavarian deal, the real secret society that did have real power and real philosophies was from that region. Now, am I saying that, you know, CARP is a bloodline of the Illuminati? I don't know that. But you talk about a strong uh, German and Swedish background. 
And that area is also extremely wealthy. Carp himself uh, later talks about being essentially broke when he was uh, younger. And um, so and my grandmother was, her first language was German, didn't teach my dad a lot of German. But, um, you know, if you, I, I kind of think, I think assimilation takes many generations. And so I kind of got to Germany with a already pre-German vibe. As an example, when I got to Germany, I was like, oh, wow, I don't have to tell someone I love them to go on a date. I don't have to have 50 friends. I can tell people that I don't agree with what they said. It was very, it was, it was very comforting. So a very, very uh, smart uh, German, Albert Einstein, had a hairdo not unlike yours. Uh, <laughs> that By the way, Albert Einstein's family um, uh, was apparently, uh, my, my family is apparently his neighbors, but I may. I mean, bizarre. My family was the neighbor of the family of Einstein. Okay. Just, just, just a weird little anecdote there. Be that was. I mean, that's where you got uh, the idea. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you do you come or it just goes that way. It just goes that way. Although another funny story is when I was in Germany, I, because I think American litigious stuff is so crazy. People ask, well, how do you afford to live here? And honestly, I was really poor, so I wasn't really affording it. And I told my German colleagues, that, look, I bought the shampoo. It was too strong, and it, I ended up with this hair, and I sued them. And then, but the funny thing is, everyone in my whole university believed him. Like, no, it's not true. I have this hair naturally. Now, so he's, he's cracking jokes about suing because of a bad haircut. I mean, what is it with you know, famous people in science or venture capitalists or other types of billionaires that just want to be cartoon silly. That's a cartoon silly haircut. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I uh, I didn't comb my hair today. Ugh, I know I'm looking a little rough, a little tired after the weekend, even though I got a decent amount of sleep last night. Uh, this is about a wa as wacky a hairstyle as you're going to get from Jason Burmis. In fact, it should have been cut, but Wednesday, when I went down to get a haircut because I was calling the fights on Thursday and I was doing the weigh-ins and I was doing some of the interviews, first of all, I go to barbershops. I don't go to hairstylists. You, you absolutely 100% need a barbershop pole outside to even get me interested in coming in. Number two, I don't want a shampoo. I don't want a hot towel. I don't want any of that crap. Okay, my, my hair is short. I don't need a towel on my neck. I take a shower every day, sometimes two, depending on the situation, and I use shampoo. My hair is doing fine. Don't need another one, okay? I go to get my hair cut, to get my hair cut. So I go to do that. And I pull in and I see the front door is cracked open. Now, that's not usually not what happens. I'm like, all right, well, maybe somebody is uh, coming outside. And then I pull around to the back and the door is wide open in the back. What's going on? And I walk in and there's two guys in the seats and my two barbers who I love shooting the shiz with. And I walk in and there's the overwhelming stench of human feces. And I say, what's going on? And he goes, well, they're not today, Jason. Sorry. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, the, the, the pipe just burst. And we're finishing these guys up, and hopefully we're going to get someone in here to clean it up. 
Like, oh my goodness. Well, that makes sense. And since that, we've just been rocking the grays, you know, rocking the old man. Not quite as gray as Alex Carp, but not quite as rich or powerful either. Your parents are alive, right? Yes. And do they ever, your mother ever call you and say, comb your hair, or she doesn't do that? Uh, well, yes, my mom calls. Well, first of all, you have to understand, my parents wanted an academic. It's like, you know, there's a saying in, in Silicon Valley, ask for money, get advice, ask for advice, get, for mo get money. And I think my parents were like, ask for a cultured journalist or an academic, get a business person. So they're already unhappy. So uh, they say that, but a lot of what you're doing is politically motivated, period. And there certainly is a financial apolitical nature to this, but that apolitical nature is really of the idea of social Darwinism and human social climbing, right? In other words, I don't care. It's kind of like the Soros attitude. You know, I, I don't care what the politics is, are. I'm looking to make money, okay? And I don't care what the intelligence agencies use it for. I just want them to use it. Um, tell us about the beginning of Palantir. Uh, whose idea was it? Uh, it was Peter's idea. Um, Peter, Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel, very famous, long-term friend of mine, although much better known for being arguably the best investor in venture in the world, um, and co-founder of Palantir. He called me, um, and I'm very grateful to Peter because honestly, I think there's exactly one person in the world that would have called uh, me to co-found Palantir, and that was Peter. And uh, Peter's like, hey, I've got this great idea. We're going to take the back end that we used at PayPal to stop cyber criminals, and we're going to turn it into a product, and we're going to sell it to the in intelligence services because obviously they could use the best software in the world. So once again, uh, for those that don't know, Peter Thiel, a big part of the founding of PayPal, the Muskernuts also got on there, the first digital money platform. And what he's talking about is taking the coding on the back end to stop fraud from happening via their platform into a tool of the techno fascists, of the system that is outside of the Fourth Amendment. Okay, and the, the, the right to your personal privacy. You understand? You get that? And instead, part of the Five Eyes Track Trace Database Program. That's the reality. Um, and do you want to co-found this? And uh, what year was that? That's 20 years ago or something? Yeah, that was rough. That was almost exactly 20 years ago because we co-founded. We actually then founded it a year later. So. And did you say I'm not qualified to be the CEO of a company yet? Well, I wasn't being asked to be CEO. I was asking. To, I was asked to be co-founded. Co-founded. No, you know, I tell people this all the time. When someone gives you a, a really interesting offer that sounds incredibly good, you just say yes. So I didn't say like now I've you know hired thousands of people, and sometimes I feel like they're getting you know a chance to, to change the world, and they're like, well, what am I going to get paid? What are the benefits? And I think you know when Peter asked me to co-found the company, I just said yes. You know, I I just said yes. You should. What am I getting paid? Nothing. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> What's my? Not to just say yes. Alex Carp, by the way, um, attending Bilderberg meetings. Not as powerful as Peter Thiel, who's on the steering committee of Bilderberg, but still extremely influential and powerful in Silicon Valley and in this global spectra of spycraft.
So the, yes, period. But the companies. <laughs> I, it wasn't like, what am I getting paid? What's my equity plan? What's it like? I was like, yes, I'm starting. So period. But the company was designed. And I'm going to think about it. I'm going to ask my ex-girlfriend. Was it yeah. designed to be a software company? No, so we were going to be a software. The, the, the central idea really was there's a methodology. So that basically, uh, PayPal is the margins were thin. It's very hard to stop, adapt, stop adaptive adversaries. Algorithms were slower than the actual adversary. They used visualization to find the adversary. Now that concept was the concept. We in in contact with the client, like I had never been to a clandestine service. We, meaning my other co-founders and I, discovered that idea. While it was necessary, but it was not sufficient. You had to actually focus on the back end, and the back end was integrating data. And then my idea, in all modesty, was to integrate the data with data protection norms, and that so, became the engine that powers a lot of the countries in this room. So on the anti-terrorism side, and Silicon. And by the way, the anti-terrorism side. And it's always terror, 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 terror. They love terrorism. Can't talk about crime. Can't talk about international affairs. Terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. And later on, CARP is going to brag and, and what I think uh, make up in a place called Imagination Land that they've stopped domestic terror attacks in the United States because of being able to find improvised explosive device IEDs. Folks, look into it post 9-11, even pre-9-11. How many of these terror plots are directed by the FBI, period? He's also going to talk about his relationship to the central intelligence agencies and then these sub-organizations, these subdivisions and agencies, a.k.a. what we know as Signature reduction. America's secret military that is basically never discussed. Never discussed. Valley, it's often the case that people who run these technology companies have a technology background or an engineering background. You don't have either. Uh, this is true. However, this is true. I'm not really qualified in that regards, but I'm completely and totally ruthless. and subservient to Teal's ideology and that of the globalists. So they love me. For reasons I could try to explain, but I've never been able to understand myself. I've been like very, very reliable in picking out the best technical town in the world. Right. And in fact, one of the ways uh, that, you know, of course in the Valley, no one believed me in the beginning, they would send in random engineers and, and I was you know, then they would occasionally send in the village idiot. I'm like, you send in the village idiot. And they're like, well, how do you know? And the, the, but the simplest explanation is technical philosophy involves irrelevant, but very, it's distinctions that are very important to you emotionally. Coding involves very small, but important distinctions that are important to the world. And if you have a proclivity, emotional proclivity for managing one, you can manage the other. And then as a second addendum, most, you know, you know this, on the side, of course, all your investments are successful, but most investments fail. And one of the big reasons- All your investments are successful, but most investments fail. Huh, weird. How's that work? Reasons things fail in enterprises, the products are not societally relevant. If you build a non-societally relevant product, you're gonna have to compete with a, pure, a company that is really good at sales or already owns distribution. Mostly they own distribution and they're great at sales. 
So to build a product that can break through, that product has to be so relevant to the society that actually people buy it despite not quite understanding it, despite and an engineer on their own will build a product for other engineers. And that's why that's one of the big reasons almost any all enterprise software companies fail. So originally your clients were the US government and the CIA. Oh. And that just blew right up. So originally, the U.S. government and the CIA, he likes to call it the agency, by the way. Carp loves using the term the agency. Our first clients, so we got this investment from Incutel, which has always been controversial. It's a really small investment. You know, you know, Incutel, the CIA, came in, and Incutel uh, no longer exists. We talk about Incutel here because guess what? They were also seed funders in Google. Hmm? in Google, all right? So we have to understand that the Central Intelligence Agency is also taking place in venture capitalism. Just a little small seed fund, just a little itty bitty bit for Alex Karp and Peter Thiel. Now they're no longer at the DPO, they exited, but it's always been very, you know, if you Google Palantir, you'll see. And if, you, if it's a left-wing newspaper, by the way, I'm progressive, and I think the left is wrong to hate on us sometimes because without Palantir, the far right would have would be in a position of dominance because Palantir single-handedly, with the uh, police forces, stopped major terror attacks. But any case, all right, let's unpack that because when I heard that the first time, I couldn't believe he said it because it makes no sense other than I'm a big fat liar, and you're a liar, Alex Carp. I want to make that very clear. What he's really telling you is. Palantir's software has been utilized to censor alternative voices. That's the guide of Republicans, conservatives, etc. So our software has now been able to successfully suppress information, okay, and project the left's agenda. So how dare people on the left ever criticize me for being part of the military industrial complex. Then he takes it a step further and says that they've stopped domestic terror attacks with zero evidence whatsoever. I've seen zero evidence Palantir has done any of that, but them, him trying to say that if right-wing terrorist attacks had happened in the United States, that would give some kind of political advantage to the quote-unquote right is absolutely 100% absurd. Absurd, false, and in my opinion, obscene. Let's bring it back because I want you to hear what he said here, okay? If, oh, man, the left sometimes criticizes us because we're part of the intelligence community. Huh. The DPO, they exited, but it's always been very, you know, if you Google Palantir, you'll see. And if, you, if it's a left-wing newspaper, by the way, I'm progressive, and I think the left is wrong to hate on us sometimes because without Palantir, the far right would have would be in a position of dominance because Palantir single-handedly with the uh, police forces stopped major terror attacks. But Stop, they stopped major terror attacks that somehow would have empowered conservatives and the right. Just so much there to just like kind of absorb and go, what are you talking about? You're making claims that have no basis in reality as far as I know, Alex, at all. But you're doing it at the World Economic Forum and Davos in front of your crowd of people that are making investments that never fail. 
and love total information awareness, love the Central Intelligence Agency, love the techno-fascist globalist society that is being created before our eyes that is rooted in one thing, collectivism based in authoritarianism. In any case, you'll read Palantir, CIA-driven data in German. It's Data Octopus, which is my favorite. Uh, it's like as if we're hovering, and then none of which is true. But um, where did the name Pal Palantir come from? Um, in the Lord, Lord of the Rings. We're just like you. I'm a. I, I love hobbits. I'm a Tolkien fan. Hobbits. Lord of the Rings. Uh, there's a there's a there's a globe which allows the forces of good to to see what's going on and organize, and that's a Palantir. Okay. The Palantir, plurals Palantiri. Hey, so when you start started the company, you got some software that was sold to the to Pentagon and or CIA. It was sold. Yeah, the, the InQtel gave us three pilots: one with uh, the FBI, one with the agency, and one with a more classified part of the DoD. With a more classified part of the DoD, the Department of Defense. Inside America's secret military, Newsweek. We do it live. Again, May of 2021, this is what he is talking about. The largest undercover force the world has ever known is the one created by the Pentagon, that's the DOD, over the past decade. Some 60,000 people now belong to this secret army, many working under mass identities and in low profile, all part of a broad program called Signature Reduction, the force more than 10 times the size of the clandestine elements of the CIA carries out domestic and foreign assignments, both in military uniforms and under civilian cover in real life and online, sometimes hiding in private businesses and consultancies, some of them household name companies. Here it is. The explosion of Pentagon cyber warfare, moreover, has led to thousands of spies who carry out their day-to-day -day work in various made-up personas, the very type of nefarious operations the United States decries when Russia, 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 and Chinese spies do the same. This was a two-year investigation invol involving the examination of 600 resumes and 1,000 job postings. All right, this, this is that more classified per, portion of the DOD that CARP is talking about that InQtel set them up with. They, again, this is why you come over to the premium portion of the broadcast. This is why you listen to Red Voice Media because it's not just the news of the day that everybody else is talking about and everybody else is going to give you the same talking points on. Not here. No, we do deep dives here. We do watch-alongs here. We break it down. Interestingly, it was that part of the DOD that really got us off the ground because they were struggling with finding out where terrorists were putting improvised explosives, and we, oh. we figured that out in our product. The employees who work at companies like Google or Facebook tend to be more left of center than right of center, I think it's fair to say. So, and sometimes like Google, they say, don't, we don't want to work for the Pentagon. So how do you get employees and how many, you have 3,300 now or something? 4,000 if you include right. the people. Yep. All right, 4,000. 
How do you get employees who say, I want to work for the CIA? I want to do software for uh, the Pentagon. Is that hard to do? Now, again, one of the things that's not discussed are all the Google workers that walked out. Okay, why'd they walk out? Oh, because they don't want to build drone software that kills people. That kills people. And you notice, look at this. See this? They make it about the sexual harassment on Google. Okay? Oh, oh the two, it's sexual harassment five years ago. Sexual harassment. Guys, I'm so sick of the bullshit about grab ass. I'm so sick of the cover of, oh, he was sexually inappropriate for Cuomo and Google. Bullshit. Bullshit. Type in drones. See if we get anything better. Oh, okay. Now we put drones in there. Oh, same thing. 2018, Google backs off Pentagon drone AI project. See, this is the real meat and potatoes that they try to hide from you. Should have been the first things on that first search. The things that mattered. You know, the the death from above machines. The bomb shower machines. I mean, that's Google employees resign in protest against the Pentagon. Google employees quit to protest company's deal with the Pentagon. Project Maven. All right. Google described U.S. military deal protested by employees. They say that if you think that they didn't continue, you are being extremely naive. They did it under a different department, under a different name, and with different employees that didn't know what they were doing. It's called compartmentalization, and the model was used via the Manhattan Project, World War II style, and expanded. So let's let let's hear what Carp has to say about how Obviously, the employees love working for Google and love, or I'm sorry, love working for Palantir and love working with the Defense Department, obviously. By the way, and now it's it's not just American clandestine services, probably the clandestine service, almost every, if you're in a Western country, it's your country as well, whether they tell you that or not. <laughs> another, va- another huge part of this is, again, he's at Davos. He's in front of all these, quote unquote, world leaders and thought leaders of these nations. And he's telling you, if you're in a westernized nation, if you're working with us, Palantir's on top of it. We're in charge of your information network, the total information awareness network. That's what this is. And he goes, whether they tell you or not, because we're allowed to lie to you, we don't have to tell you shit. I mean, it's incredible the amount of admissions that this guy's made. Uh, we've only gone through 10, not even 10 minutes of the interview of a 30 minute interview and think about what he's dropping on you very casually, by the way, with his goofy haircut for very important technical reasons. No, look, the fundamental basis of Palantir, both for clients externally and people internally is, and we're very open about this. It's like, we are not everyone's cup of tea. We may not be your cup of tea. By the way, we don't like people who are like, you know, coming in and saying we want to kill terrorists and, you know, just without data protection. 
think about what he's saying right there. Again, terror, 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 terror. Because when you relate somebody to being a terrorist, they have no rights. Now, he comes in at first and he says, you know, people that are gung-ho about killing terrorists, we're, we, we're, we're, whoa, buddy, whoa, without encryption. But with encryption, it's okay. So kill them as long as it's encrypted and you have plausible deniability. And then society has to protect from terrorism. That's that's the, the main thing. Hey, what about a tyrannical government? What about a government that's colluding with big business to push a great narrative that's about not only a track trace database society over the skin, but under the skin that's going to involve a social credit score and a carbon credit system based in neo-feudalism? Because that's what you're a part of, Carp. I'm so sick of the terror, terror, terror word. Terror, terror, terror. Terrorist, terrorist, terrorist. You may not agree with that. I don't. And bless you. Don't work here. <laughs> God bless you. Don't work here. We're about authoritarianism. We're about total information awareness. And what you'll find is two-thirds of the people don't want to in the valley don't want to work for your company. However, one third only wants to work for your company. And yeah, we don't get it. By the way, it's an enormously the concerns investors had in the beginning is like, you know, because not everyone at Palantir has a clearance in the beginning. That was for the US government. Now it's for almost every government, depending on where we are. But and and but that's also helpful because you say, well, you don't want a clearance. Why? And like, yeah, I don't care if someone's smoke pot or they have a relationship to their hamster as long as I also found that really weird. Think about what you just said. He equated smoking pot with a sexual relationship with an animal. Now, I I uh I don't want to get too graphic here. Um, but let's just say that if you look up gerbils and hamsters, and um, let's just say uh, the perverse anal community that's a real thing lots of jokes about that all right that a lot lots and lots of jokes about that weirdness yeah i'm worried about bestiality i, I don't want people that have an inappropriate relationship with animals um to not be in jail they, they probably don't need to be in society at all whether it's a hamster or a gerbil or a cat or a dog or a goat or a horse or whatever or whatever criminal gross disgusting and some just the fact that carp threw that in there nonchalantly with the pot comment that should be really worrisome about who you're dealing i don't care if they have an inappropriate relationship with their hamster what a bizarre thing to say you know as long as they acknowledge it we don't care but if somebody's like, as long as they acknowledge it, we don't care. Again, listen to this guy. Investors had in the beginning is like, you know, because not everyone at Palantir has a clearance. In the beginning, that was for the U.S. government. Now it's for almost every government, depending on where we are. But and and but that's also helpful because you say, well, you don't want a clearance. Why? And like, yeah, I don't care if someone's smoke pot or they have a relationship to their hamster. As long as you know, as long as they acknowledge it, we don't care. But if somebody's like, hey, you know, so it, it, it basically is a filter. 
now. And, and by the way, we've been very critical, as you may know, people in this room know, of the Valley. And, and that also helps. Look, if you, I bless your soul if you want to distribute carcinogens with your great intellect in the form of consumer internet. That's your decision. And if you want to get wealthy and give your money to philanthropy or not, that's your decision. You notice these people are always in these damn sweaters. I'm in a pink or purple sweater. I'm non-threatening. I've got a goofy haircut. I'm non-threatening. Look, I'm wearing a smartwatch like Jason Burmis with a red band on it. I'm non-threatening. We want people who want to be on the side of the West, making the West a better, better society, more able to defend themselves, protect data protection, and that's not up for everyone. Let's go through that as an example. Uh, what the war in Ukraine is one that your company's been involved with. Can you think about that? Oh, your oh your company's involved. No kidding, your company's involved with the war in Ukraine. You're Palantir. You're the Total Information Awareness Network. You're the guy that's going to sit here and prop up the Russia, Russia, Russia narrative and tell us how great Zelensky is. After all, it was a Central Intelligence Agency coup in 2014 that brought all this into fruition. You briefly describe uh, uh, what was described in a Washington Post article recently about what you're doing to help the war in Ukraine. Well, so the genesis was we our product's very well known. We build we have a counter intel product. It's called PGA, which is very well known. We have a commercial product called Foundries, very well known. We have set we have a product that is not well known called Meta Constellation. And that product allows you to take, use algorithms on large data sets to hone in on adversaries over say, for example, a whole country. And the integration of data from, the infusion of data from satellite, telephones, other sources, classified sources. Classified sources. So, so data, telephones, oh yeah. And then there's the classified sources. Now, Number one, a lot of that is the track trace database data that comes off of this. That's ACR, uh, automated content recognition, video, audio, beyond browsing history. But remember, we talked about other communication systems. We talked about hidden microphones last week. And I saw the Alex Jones, um, I believe it was on the Friday broadcast, started talking as well about um, what I had talked about, the microphones that were hidden inside of cable boxes, right? And then we talked about how he had Andrew Huff on, and they were talking about other means of classified surveillance. And we were talking about different spectrums of networks, of wavelengths, all right? Like the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum or the five gigahertz spectrum that is on your router. We talked about light sources being able to carry internet. In fact, you know what? There's an old school TED talk showing that because we have fiber optics and that's really light. But let me see. Um, let me see if we can find that. Light source internet uh, TED talk. Okay. How long is that? Yes. Wireless data from every single light bulb. And this is why we do it live. All right, but it's right here, Harold Haas. Okay, and think about how this is over a decade old, super quick. An illumination device. And if you do the, the energy budget, the data transmission comes for free. Highly energy efficient. 
I don't mention the high en energy efficiency of these LED light bulbs. If you, if the whole world would deploy them, you would save uh, hundreds of, of power plants. So let's Still just bring it back here. Watch. Technology. And then what we have here is a little hole, and the light goes through that hole. There's a receiver. The receiver will convert these little subtle changes in the amplitude that we create there into an electrical signal. And the signal is converted back to a high-speed data stream. In the future, we hope that we can integrate this little hole into these smartphones. And not only integrate a photo detector here, but maybe use the camera inside. Now you got to ask yourself, what have they added to devices like that that are still classified? Okay. So what happens when I switch on that light? There you go. As you would expect, it's a light, a desk lamp. Could put your book beneath and can could read. It's illuminating the, the space. But at the same time, you see this video coming up here. And this is a video, high definition video, that is transmitted through that light beam. You're all critical. You say, ha ha ha, this is a smart academic doing a little bit of tricks here. But let me do this. <laughs> Once again, still don't believe? It is this light that transmits this high-definition video, this bitstream. And if you look at the light, it is illuminating as you would expect. You don't notice with your human eye, you don't notice the subtle changes in the amplitude that we impress onto this light bulb. No, you don't. So again, you wonder what these classified methods are but there's just a little sample a little taste of what they might be right there and then the disambiguation of that so people only see what they are allowed to see on the battlefield is something that took us 15 years to build in various forms uh the ukrainians without going into all details but some of us only they they of course went to the most important services in the world and said okay what should we use and i'm very proud to hear they had one answer palantir and then they we were asked if we were willing to supply our product at, philanthropically basically for free and i was very in favor of this because our primary mission is in fact to set a global standard for the world for behavior set a global standard for the world for behavior that's our goal working with the military industrial complex um uh the product then allowed them, according to this article, to do targeting uh, at a, a, with a, like a factor of 20 better, um, which basically, according to, of course, the primary heroes here are the actual heroes of the Ukraine. And they're also, I have to say, one of the caveats is they're very, very technical. The people that have used our product there are world-class engineers, but they were also able to train normal engineers. And in their hands, they were able to change the targeting ratio, which, according to David Ignatius, uh, played a big role in changing the course of the war. Okay, so the well, changing the course of the war, they're losing. They're losing. That's because Russia's again. You watch Apocalypse Stalin, man, and just talk about a meat grinder of death. Guy, man, I I don't think we get it. You know, don't get me wrong. There there are awful things going on. I I have this video of a cobalt mine the, the mine. That is just the wildest thing maybe you'll you'll ever see in your life. We'll probably play it tomorrow because it's so wild. We don't have a lot of time left today. 
Um, and I, I want to wrap up this Alex Carp uh, Palantir bit. But he's he's outwardly telling you, you know, we're creating the standard. We're using classified uh, material. We're using information systems you don't know about. If you're a weaponized nation and you're an ally, even if you don't think you're using Palantir, you're using Palantir, right? All these things are out there. We're funded by the CIA. We've stopped the white domestic terror. We've stopped the Republican right narrative. How dare the left attack us? We're going after Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. And we're we're trying to set the global world standard. Wow. Can the U.S. government get the same kind of software? Does, does it have it? Can you say that? Uh, the U.S. government uh, has our software. Okay. And, and uses it uh, very aggressively. Uh, I mean, look, they're, they're, the role of the U.S. government and the British government and others is somewhat sensitive. Some of it is in this article from Days and Nations. Is not, but I, it would be remiss not to mention that uh, these governments have played an enormous, effective, uh, and crucial role, not just with our software, but also with our software. So where do you want to take the company in the future? You already built a company that's pretty large, pretty successful. What is your future direction? Well, on the government side, um, a lot, some of this is not directly palantir related, but we in America, Western countries, we should learn also from the Ukrainians what actually worked on the battlefield. Oh, why, why do we need to learn that as Americans? What worked on the battlefield? Huh? What? What? Let's just hope there's no battlefields coming to the United States of America, everybody. You know, I'm very in favor of a robust posture in America. We should look what percentage of our budget is being spent on things that actually turn the tide. So not all that's going to go to me or but but we like we need to invest where where the West has an advantage. Now, what do we want to do as a company? Of course, we are going to grow and continue to grow that suite of products. Uh, of course, at this point, a lot of our growth is commercial. So uh, without going to Q4 results, US, the U.S. is taking a real liking to our commercial product. Bet you it has. Um, growing that part of our business is obviously important. But the fundamental, the, my fundamental view of what Palantir should be is an instrument, a technical digital software instrument, which is, again, what we, I think, are the best at in America, that, that strengthens institutions, both commercial and economic and political, in Western countries. So today, uh, your company is based in what city? Denver. But you, as the CEO, live in? I live in the backwoods in a, basically a shack in New Hampshire. I live in a shack, basically a shack. You know, I got millions of dollars, but I just live in a shack in the live free or die state. We're located in Denver, Colorado. Certainly nothing weird about the Denver airport. I'll tell you that. Nothing bizarre about that place. And the reason that's so convenient well, and helpful yeah. to the company is. Um, well, I'm, I mean, you wouldn't know it on TV, but I'm an extreme introvert. Uh, and so I hide out. But I but I travel, I'm back to traveling 250 days a year. And so I travel from office to office to office to office, uh, tricking Palantirians, thinking I'm meeting with clients when in fact I'm meeting with the most important client, them. <laughs> what are you building? Why are you building it? What's working? What's not? 
what, how's our senior leadership failing you today? Please tell me how we're failing you today. Tricking my employees. That's a, that's a nice way to, yeah, that's good. That's what you want to do. Let's trick the employees. How did we fail you even worse than you thought today? So uh, you're also a pretty accomplished um, skier, right? Cross-country skier. So that helps being in New Hampshire? Um, yes, but it's really, the, I'm a very accomplished introvert. <laughs> Okay. And, and, you know, in, in New Hampshire, I have no neighbors. I, I barely talk. I go into my little introverted cave. I come up with lots of ideas. I mean, a lot of, look, I, we say our clients know, sometimes who don't believe us. We build these products five years before anyone believes they're real. A lot of the inspiration for building those products comes from uh, when I'm cross-country skiing. I, I, I think I'm the most accomplished Tai Chi practitioner in, in the Western business world. I do that. The most accomplished? Tai Chi practitioner in the business world, Alex Karp. He looks like he does a lot of Tai Chi. <laughs> I walk around, I bounce my head into a log and think, oh, wow, we need a product that, you know, or so-and-so is really good. And then, you know, a lot of it's also like, you know, it, when you decide a product needs to be built or somebody like who, like a Palantir or a Sham says, hey, this is a really interesting product idea. And uh, it's like, then you have to decide, well, who's going to build it? Like this is the like a lot of the biggest decisions at Palantir come down to, you know, okay, for example, found the Foundry product, which is, you know, I don't know, it's it, it without going to Q4, it's been been like growing like a weed in the West, a commercial product. You know, I remember someone came to me with the basic architecture of it, and we took a person who was uh, on our by far our biggest client, it was probably worth probably thirty percent of our revenue, took off the most important engineer and put that engineer on this product that no one believed would work. And that's how we ended with so like figuring out who does what under what conditions and then there's a productization phase so we often build a product then we it's beta it's in the market means we still have to hold it up then a whole different team has to get it into productization phase and all those decisions have to be made on the ground on the factory floor basically it's like cutting leather but to except do, for the to leather do all this uh don't you need to have the ultimate security clearances to work at Palantir? Well, for you personally, you have to review these. Actually, software. one of the best decisions I ever made was not getting a clearance. And I tell you, it's a really good decision because if I was cleared to know a lot of stuff I know, I couldn't sit on the stage. Yeah, no, no, no. Hey, listen, he's got to plead ignorance. He he wants. He's comfortable with a certain level of lying, but there's a greater level of lying when you have a security clearance. Folks, that's just a little bit over halfway through that. I want to thank everybody who's come over to the premium portion of the broadcast. Remind them, if you're not subscribed over on YouTube, get over there, subscribe, hit the notification bell. We do uh, broadcast outside of just um, the Red Voice Media stuff. We do Mixed Martial Mindset with John Fitch. And we do post some of the premium stuff over there. Although, a brand new premium now going to be available for free over at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason and redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Please subscribe over at Rumble. And as always, I want to remind you, I am a documentary filmmaker. Loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order, Defined, and Shade the Motion Picture are all free right here, right now. Watch them, share them, and let other people know why they are indeed 
important films. As always, it is not about left or right. It is always about right and wrong. We must come together and become the great resistance to a very real great reset agenda that are being promulgated and promoted by guys like CARP. I love you. We'll see you on the flip side.